There are two tales waiting for you, told one after the other by an odd set of two. So prepare yourself, dear one, because this is Drops of Darkness. I am Stranger, and I tell only fantasies. Whenever your world has a grip on your throat, I am there waiting to unleash the monsters that sleep in my mind so that they may remind you that you have sharp teeth and claws of your own. Max watched the priest sharpen his blade by the fire. He wasn't sure what part of the ritual the dagger was needed for, but he was unsettled the most by its handle. It was bone and worn down to a shine from heavy use. The fire crackled between them as the night grew colder. How many survive? Max asked, eyeing the blade. As many as possible. No need to worry about the numbers. Most are too far gone by the time I find them. But you did the right thing, coming to me before it progressed too far. The priest's tone was calm as he ran his finger over the polished metal, soothing even, or it would have been if Max hadn't noticed how the man kept the blade close, like a favorite child. Max gripped the handle of his own knife, his being much smaller than the priest's, but it was just as sharp, and also made of silver. It slipped through the small piece of wood in his hand with little resistance. This was the only thing he could do to keep his hands from shaking. What happens to the ones you can't save? He asked, slipping his knife into a fresh piece of tinder. It's not a matter of can or can't. My process is dictated by someone far greater than myself. The Lord accepts all who are willing, but some just don't want to be saved. You want to be saved, don't you, Max? But Max didn't answer. The wind had picked up and split the dark clouds that covered the night sky. His head dropped. A string of drool hung from his lip and glinted in the moonlight. He suddenly felt feverish and began to wonder how deep he could sink the tip of his carving knife under his thumbnail. He wanted to dig it out and the rest of his fingernails and then maybe his teeth. He heard his name, and when he looked up, he felt something slippery, bubbling up under the skin on his face. Dear God, said the priest, his eyes growing wide. We have less time than I thought. Max hadn't been explained the details of the ritual, only that he was to comply without hesitation. Do you want to be saved, my child? In his hand, the priest held a tattered Bible. His voice was now filled with borrowed authority and devoid of any comfort. Max listened to the trees swaying in the cold night air that felt so nice against his boiling skin. He let his body fall against the soft earth and rubbed his face against the grass, immediately finding relief as it began to brush away the loose, hot flesh. The priest began to speak again, Louder now, and then Max felt something sharp stab into his cheek. 
Do not let it shed what was made in God's image, said the priest as Max felt another stab into his neck as something sharp pinned the torn skin back in place. Max backed away, but couldn't get far enough before a third silver needle was pushed into his jaw. His bones began to ache, but before a fourth needle could be inserted, there was a rustling of something large in the forest. His view was blocked as the priest stepped between him and the wolf that Max had been waiting for since the first beam of light from the moon touched his face. Go back where you came from, demon, commanded the priest, gripping his weapon. This man is under my protection. He's not one of you yet. A growl drifted out in response. Soft at first, but as the priest held out the dagger towards the beast, with its handle settled in his grip as naturally as if it was an extension of his arm. The growl grew deeper, rumbling gently through the dirt underneath them. In front of them, the wolf stood silently watching. The priest turned slowly as the guttural sound from behind him was joined by the soft scraping of silver against silver. One by one, Max dug the needles free, his blood black in the moonlight. Steam floated up from the blade, the handle, and the piles of skin and teeth between his knees. Are you going to protect me like you protected him? Slurred Max through his new teeth. They were long and sharp, and still slick from where they tore through his gums. Behind the priest, the other wolf stood revealing hundreds of silver needle heads embedded deep over his body, dotting his black fur like constellations, each telling the same story of pain. I came to this place when he didn't come home. I wanted to see where someone said they would save him, only to kill him instead. That, the priest said, pointing his dagger again at the wolf, is a demon. Not a child of man or God. His faith wasn't just weak. It was non-existent. And yet, he survived you. You might have killed a part of him that was human. But I recognize him just the same. You've been under the scars that you made. Max rose and shook himself clean spraying a red mist over the small campsite and fire where it sizzled in the embers. It's not too late for you, child. Your flesh is still warm where it fell. Put back the image that God made you in and pin it tight. If it's peace that you want, then have faith. I don't need it, said Max, circling the priest. Your faith gives me peace enough, because I know that when you meet your God face to face, he will judge you fairly, and I cannot fathom how much you will suffer. A shiver ran down Max's body that shook loose the last of the skin still clinging to his fur. He then proceeded to snap up the pieces between his powerful jaws. 
and he swallowed them whole. You've just ensured that the gates of heaven will be sealed shut to you, boy, said the priest. Max could no longer speak, but he had already said everything he needed, and there would be no point in explaining that the priest's words brought him relief instead of fear. Whatever paradise looked to this man would be no paradise to him. As Max padded towards the black wolf, the priest spoke again. If you refuse to be saved, he said, then the world must be cleansed of you both. Max felt a hand grab onto the scruff of his neck and saw the silver blade glint in the firelight as it came for his neck. But before the edge of it could touch his throat, he was released as a low snarl echoed through his pointed ears. The black wolf gently held the priest's arm between his teeth, tight enough to hold him, but not enough to draw blood. The man struggled to free himself, as foam gathered at the corners of his mouth. But the harder he pulled, the more of his own skin he broke against the wolf's teeth. With compassion in his forest-colored eyes, the wolf broke his hold and wiped the priest's blood from his maw on the dew-covered grass. Then the two wolves sat and watched as the man lifted his blade once again. But the change had already begun. The elements of his own beast bloomed in the priest's veins under the light of the moon. When he failed to hold his flesh in place, he tried to burn the fur and claws away in the fire. But his screams turned into yips and howls all the same. He scratched at the dagger, but couldn't lift it from the tangle of wild flowers that cradled its handle. Still, he bit and clawed for the weapon, until his eyes fell from his sockets like drops of rain and were replaced by two yellow orbs, bright as twin suns in the darkness. When the once priest lifted his gaze towards the sky, the wolves rose. They remembered what it was like, seeing the world with new eyes for the first time. So they left him where he was, staring up at the golden moon, knowing that they would not be followed. Hello everyone. I hope you're enjoying the show. In between our stories, we like to take an opportunity to highlight a cause we believe deserves our collective attention. For August, we chose the Entertainment Community Fund. This is an organization supporting the writers and actors currently fighting for fair wages in an industry that has taken advantage of them for far too long. You can learn more by visiting entertainmentcommunityfund.org or by following the link on dropsofdarkness.com. Now, back into the shadows we go. I am someone, and I tell only truth. Whenever something slithers through the barrier between worlds, I am there. Not to stop them, but to watch them and remind you of the 
countless terrors your kind has survived, all on their own. I don't dream, or if I do, I never remember them. If I remember a dream, it is most likely an astral projection, which I don't mean to do. This dream was so real. It was vivid and I felt awake. All of a sudden, I was in my hometown, standing in the street in front of my first childhood home. I remember appearing there, looking around and going, oh yeah, here I am. Almost like I expected to be there. I then proceeded to walk down the street, about a half a block, to a house where I used to know the older woman that lived there. There were a bunch of people moving stuff in and out of the house, and it looked like they were either renovating it or moving dusty old furniture out of the home. I stopped one of the people and said, I used to know the woman that lived here. Mind if I go in and look around? And they said, yeah, go ahead. I walked up the steps and went inside. In the living room, there were some people standing there chatting. I noticed an old-looking chair to my left with a cat sitting on it. I walked over to it to pet the cat because who wouldn't? Right when I stepped in front of the chair, I felt a pressure on my chest, but it was more of a pulling pressure, like something grabbed the front of my shirt. And I looked down, and I could see my shirt pulled out in front of me. But that was just the physical representation of what I was feeling in my body. I felt this extreme pulling sensation, and it pulled me completely around and up the stairs into a bedroom. When I stopped in the bedroom, I looked at the bed, and there was the older woman I knew laying there in the bed. And I could tell it was her spirit, because she was kind of misty and see-through. I walked over to the side of the bed and knelt down and said, Hi Elmo, how are you doing? She looked at me and smiled and said, I think I'm ready to go. I told her, if you think you're ready, you can go. It's okay for you to go, we will be fine. She smiled, closed her eyes, and faded. I then stood up and had that extreme pulling sensation again and it pulled me out of that bedroom into the hallway and down to another bedroom. When I entered that bedroom, Elmo was standing there and said something to me that I do not remember. And then she faded again. It was almost like a PS before she left. And then I woke up. Elmo is not her name, and I couldn't think of it for the life of me. I had known her as a child, and she died decades ago. I texted my dad and asked him what her name was. He told me, and then added, she really loved you. I think Elmo's spirit was ready to move on, and our connection, mixed with me being able to astral project, is how I was able to help her move on. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Drops of Darkness, which is written voiced and produced by Anadine Vaughn and Cameron Helquaik. If you enjoyed your drift into the shadows, help keep the stories alive by sharing the show, leaving a review, and if you really want to earn the favor of these dark storytellers, 
tether yourself to their world by tapping subscribe. If you have a true paranormal story of your own that you'd like to be read by someone, you can make the offering to submissions at dropsofdarkness.com or through the form on our website. Until next time, dear one, and remember, when the darkness looks your way, hold its gate.